Welcome back here to X's and Bros on the Michigan Sports Network. Coming to you from the Collaborative Lab in Grand Rapids. Danny Cahalo, Brian Elke, Anthony Bellino all joining you. Joining us now, he is the play-by-play voice of Michigan basketball on the uh, Michigan Radio Network. Our good friend, Brian Bush. Brian, my man, good morning to you. Some scary times for Wolverines fans. How are you, my man? How's life? How are things? Ah, doing well, man. Appreciate you having me on here today, Anthony. And uh, I'll tell you, obviously, two gut punch games. It's, it's one of those things, right? You, it, those The last three have been amazing. And obviously, the, the regular season home finale against Wisconsin, an amazing high in this roller coaster season. Then you have those last two. But I'll tell you, it's, it's the resilience of these 18 to 22-year-old kids because, man, I'm, I'm exhausted after those two games. I know it was tough for, bo- for both instances to lose that but you know they're resilient and uh they're getting ready for thursday and and hopefully beyond yeah it was a it was incredible watching that game at assembly hall you knew it was going to be hostile the illinois game like oh my goodness they just like so close in in so many different games this season michigan has had a moment where they have had a lead and i saw uh, I think Dylan from UM Hoops was tweeting about it, it during the Indiana game, and he was like, this is the four-minute stretch right here. It was right around the 12-minute mark in the second half. He's like, this is the four-minute stretch. Either Michigan's going to close Indiana out or they're going to allow them to get back in this game, and you know who knows what happens from there, and they allowed them to get back in the game. And so many times I, I really thought that we've seen games that have been basically a microcosm of what Michigan Hoops has been this year. They start off running a great play, the very first possession there against Indiana. They get a good feed down to Hunter. Here comes the double team. He kicks to Kobe. Kobe extra pass to Jet. Jet three-pointer. I'm like, let's just run that every time down the floor. We'll score 180 points, right? This is awesome. <laughs> and then the offense just doesn't do anything for 10 minutes, and then they turn it on at the end of the second half, and it's like, what in the Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde is happening here? Yeah, I mean, that the first, what, 11, 12 minutes of the Indiana game was rough. I mean, Michigan came out slow. Nothing was falling. Indiana didn't even play particularly well, in my opinion, during the, the first, what, quarter of that game. And, and yet, you're down double digits. And, of course, we all knew going into this that if, if you want to have realistic designs on an at-large before Chicago and the Big Ten tournament, you, you had to find a way to get it. And, you know, uh, the, the battle back that they showed, Hunter Dickinson was awesome down the stretch in the first half. And then, obviously, you come out in the second half and you're leading by 12. And there was an uneasy feeling. I mean, uh, Indiana had just gotten pummeled at home by Iowa on Tuesday. Indiana, to me, m- may have peaked three, four weeks ago, there's some of that uneasiness in Bloomington. And then you just can't, you can't finish the deal. You can't, you know, smack a team when it's down and get the job done. And, and it's, it's frustrating because, you know, I, I made this point to somebody, you know, if you just played out the, what, 1,200 something minutes of, of the season all at once, I mean, Michigan, it's efficiency numbers, you know, how it's played, just the overall totality of it, I think it'd be a top four team in the Big Ten. But those last few possessions of each game, um, they matter more. They, if, you, if you bottle them all up and put them into the vat with everything else, it, it all looks equal in the, you know, in the spreadsheets. But, man, you have to find a way. And this team, they had three potential game-winning shots in two hostile environments this past week you got to find a way to make one. And that's why they're sitting where they are with a ton of talent wondering what could have been. And, and they got one 
one potential out card this week to go to, to Chicago and, and have to get multiple wins and maybe more than that. You know, uh, Brian, all season long, I've been reassuring the Michigan faithful that are um, that for God knows what reason, follow me on Twitter. And my account is a <laughs> Doug McDaniel, Terrace Reed fanboy account. Like it's dumb. Uh, I love these two kids. I, I was very, I was interested in Doug because Doug never seems to talk at all. He just kind of nods his head and just kind of has this look on his face. And I wasn't sure what we were going to get out of him. You know, he's a smaller guy. Jalen Llewellyn was going to be the starter. Well, guess what? Llewellyn gets hurt and Doug is thrown into this. And I'm like, okay, what, what, Either this kid's going to rise up and learn how to play point guard at, at high major hoops level right away, as in overnight, or this is going to be an absolute disaster. And Doug has been what I think is phenomenal uh, all season long. Sure, he didn't shoot it great against Indiana, but I, I don't know what a, a fan could ask of him that he hasn't provided. He's limiting turnovers. He's good defensively. He's figured it out. And I look at him. I look at his numbers. Call me crazy, but I, I really do feel like this is a guy that we needed stability at the point guard position. We needed somebody who's going to be here for four years. I think that we might be looking at maybe a smaller version of a Derek Walton Jr. And some people look at me and go, excuse me? And I say, hey, look at the numbers. I mean, he's right there as a freshman who this was not expected of him. This is, this is because they put this on his shoulders because of necessity, and he has risen to the occasion. Yeah, I mean, take out the last, what, three, three and a half weeks. If you would have been told when Jalen Llewellyn tore the ACL against Kentucky and London that, the form that we saw of Doug McDaniel on, say, February 8th, right? If that would be where he would get to two months later after that injury, you would have taken that 10 times out of 10. And then the strides he has made in the last month and, and become, I think, an upper echelon point guard in the Big Ten, a guy who doesn't seem like a freshman. Yeah, he's going to make his mistakes, but he is a high-usage player now. Uh, he, he's been tremendous. Where this has gone is more than anyone could have realistically hoped for. Michigan would still benefit by having Jalen Llewellyn on this team because I think he would we'd be able to give Michigan, you know, that ten to fifteen minute veteran presence off the bench. But that's not the option, right? McDaniel's had to go out there. Dude's averaging forty-two minutes a game over the last five. Forty-two minutes a game over the last five. He's a freshman. And, and when you talk about, again, at, at a program like Michigan, with what they've been able to do over the last, what, 12, 13 years, talking about next year in the middle of a season, that that shows you that it, it hasn't lived up to its potential. And Michigan has a chance to, you know, that they've got their get-out-of-jail-free card with the Big Ten tournament potentially coming up. But when you look at the McDaniel and Reed foundation that this program has, Two guys who, because of, in Doug's case, his height, and in Reed's case, his, his inability right now to shoot from outside, these are guys who are likely to be long-term college players. That does not mean that they can't or won't have success in the NBA, but you look at guys like Jet and Kobe who have kind of the NBA measurables that, that have them in mock drafts as first-round picks. That's not what Doug and Terrace will have this year and probably next year and maybe even the year after that. Those are rare. Those are tough to come by. And for Michigan to have those two guys and to get them the experience that they've gotten, that more than anything else, Michigan, if, if they're able to sneak in the tournament, yeah, of course they'll be, you know, very unlikely to go win the whole thing. But I just, I'd love to see those two young men in particular get the experience of playing in the tournament 
because I think as soon as next year, both of those guys could be all Big Ten performers and, and a foundational part of a Michigan program that, let's face it, you know, they, they've had to kind of be fluid with the roster, right? You know, two one and done last year in Caleb and, and, and Musa. Frankie Collins flashed potential and then he left for Arizona State multiple grad transfer point guards like there hasn't been many of those guys the, the stabilizing force the guy who'd been here forever was Eli Brooks that was a John Beeline recruit Doug and Terrace have the ability to be the, the those four-year pillars that we haven't seen under coach Howard yet and I, I think they've got a real chance to do it I, I sure hope so I mean it just for perspective you know you said he's averaging 42 minutes a game over his last five folks they only play 40 minutes I mean overtime this guy doesn't come out you know 43 minutes against Wisconsin in the overtime thriller 50 percent from the field perfect from the free throw line six of six 20 points only two turnovers out of a freshman and yeah. Terrace Reed like he's gonna he's gonna get the offensive thing figured out but I mean this kid just contests every shot i love the way he hits the glass crazy bounce and athleticism for a guy of his size i mean 610 uh ish and about two i don't know 60 280 somewhere in that range boy can he get up off the floor and he challenges and he once the offensive for for as slow as the game is for doug as a freshman i feel like it's the opposite it's a little fast right now for terrace reed but i hope that michigan fans are enjoying what they're seeing out of him because you, i think that the progression that we're going to see from terrace reed jr from freshman to sophomore and then sophomore to junior i think people are going to be blown away by him well and, and and this is where michigan men's basketball has kind of a life hack of john sanderson their strength and conditioning coach and we had terrace reed um on our radio show a few weeks back and, and we had, had mentioned sanderson and he just terrace just perked up and, and he said he's like man i can't wait to get in to the gym with sandman this offseason terrace He's still got a little bit of that baby fat on him. I mean, he's going to be a beast. You referenced Dylan Burkhardt at UM Hoops earlier, and, and, and I forget the play, but he described something really well in one of his recaps about, um, you know, Terrace made a great defensive play, and he said, you know, most of the time you would, you would hear that termed as a hustle play. And he's like, with Terrace, a lot of those aren't hustle plays. They're just super talented, instinctual plays that not a lot of guys can make at any at any size, position, experience level, right? Terrace can do that, and he can do it at a, at a really high level. I, I think the sky's the limit for that young man and for Doug. Um, you know, as frustrating as the season has been, and again, when you when you've been to the NCAA tournament the last you know more than a handful of years, and you've been to five straight Sweet Sixteens, you know, consolation prizes, looking to the future—that's all BS, right? Like you, you want to get in, you you got to take advantage of the of the opportunities at hand. But if this season does end in a in a hollow way, like it very well could, um, I, I I think those two guys in particular will will utilize that to potentially maximize their sophomore seasons. You know, Brian, when we look at this season, and you mentioned it earlier, Kobe's name with the draft, and I read John Hollinger, and then I said, I've taken Kobe's phone. Uh, no one's going to be able to contact him. You're not going to be able to reach out to him. I'm just going to throw it in the lake, uh, and that's going to be it. He's going to stay in Michigan <laughs> for two more years, right? Because it's like John Hollinger wrote that piece in The Athletic. It's like Kobe Bufkin rising up the draft boards. And I'm like, well, I mean, come on now. Why do you want to do that to us like this right now at this moment? Yeah. One of the things I struggle with, and I love Kobe, and, and early on in the season when I was trying to figure out what the 
this team is going to be. I'm watching Kobe Bufkin die for loose balls. I said, he's going to be fine. They got to figure some other things out. And I don't know. It was like Eastern. They beat Purdue Fort Wayne first game of the year. They clobber them. That's what you expect. And then Eastern gave them that battle at Little Caesars Arena. They bounce back and beat Pitt. They lose against Arizona State, a close one against Ohio, closer than expected against Jackson State. But then they get ready for Virginia, and that's a two-point loss. You play Kentucky, the game you mentioned in London, that's a four-point loss. And to me, it was like, man, this team can't consistently kind of get up for every game. It's almost like they look at the schedule and play the schedule game, you know, to a certain extent. I didn't even mention Central. Oh, God, I don't even want to look at that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, I... I hear a lot of people say, man, if you could just have the Central game back. To me, the game I want back more than any other is, is the Iowa game. Oh. Here's the thing. Central Michigan deserved to beat Michigan that day, right? I mean, that if you play that game 100 times, Michigan probably wins at 99. But on that day, Central Michigan was the better team on the floor. I don't think that was the case at Iowa. There are a couple other games you could certainly make the argument for that. But, you know, there, when you've got – I think they're two and ten in one or two possession games, and that doesn't include the Iowa against power conference teams, and that doesn't include the Iowa overtime game where it went to OT and they lost by nine. Um, so in essence, two and eleven because it was zero possession game at the end of regulation. I mean, it's it's just it's been it's interesting because yes, I do think at times, especially early in the season, they play it up to the level of their competition, and then just those those few moments, those spotlight plays. Um, they have not come through enough for this team. And, you know, it, it, it's frustrating because you see the talent on this roster. You see the progressions that they've made in in five-minute stretches, ten-minute stretches. But, you know, it, it hasn't been good enough. And, and now they have to go to the Big Ten tournament. I think they probably have to win at least two games. And even then, it's dicey. Um, but I, I, I'll put it this way, D. Anthony. I could see them losing to Rutgers by 10. I could see them winning the Big Ten tournament. And that's just kind of how this season's gone and see what happens. And welcome to March. Another one that I really want back if we're going to go back in time. You know, they beat or they lose to Purdue by five in a very close game at home. And Purdue was number one. And it felt like that was such an emotional game that they went to Penn State. And speaking of getting clobbered, I mean, they got beat by 22. And it was just like you could tell the wind was out of their sails. But then they'd pick it back up again. I'm like, what are what are we doing? But then again, my next question, maybe this is unanswerable, but you are one of the very select few people outside of the coaches themselves that sees everybody, that watches all of it, right? Is the Big Ten good at basketball, or is this just a hodgepodge mess? Because we went from number two in the tournament. We dropped all the way to eight. I say we like I play for the team. I know I'm not supposed to do that as a media member, but people know I work there, so I don't give a damn. What What is it? Are we good or not? Is the conference good? Or they, I mean, Jerry Palm talking about ten teams in. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I don't know. I I, I wish I had that answer for you. I here. Here's, I was having this conversation with a buddy of mine yesterday. I mean, over under one and a half Big Ten teams making it to the second weekend, I, I'd probably lean under. I just I just don't see enough consistency out of these teams. Now, the bubble is super weak. The I, I, Do we really know just how great the Big 12 is? I don't know. I mean, I think the Big 12 is probably better than the Big 10, but do I know that for certain? I, no, not necessarily. Um, I, I just, 
to me, I think Purdue was a legitimate national championship contender. And right now, I, they've kind of faded down the stretch. They could reclaim that. They could have some 2013 Michigan vibes to them. Um, but I, I, I don't, I, I don't expect to think they're going to win their, their region and go to the Final Four. I, I thought a month ago, Indiana was the best team in the Big Ten. And I just, I don't see it anymore. They're not consistent enough. Who else? I mean, all credit Northwestern. Northwestern is one of the best stories in college basketball. It's been amazing. But I don't think anybody's going to buy into Northwestern making a run as a five or a six seed in the NCAA tournament. Like, who, who's the other team that can do that, right? I, I, I don't have one. So I think certainly if you're taking the 10th best team in the Big Ten versus the 10th best team in any other conference, yeah, I, I like the Big, Big Ten's chances. But ultimately, you are graded at the, at the peak of your powers, at the top of your totem pole. And I just I don't think the top three or four of, of the Big Ten, which has kind of been a rotating mass of, you know, of, of humanity that, OK, who, who's played at home recently? Um, I, that top four versus Big 12, even ACC, certainly the SEC, I, I don't see it. Oh, man. I mean, when you said mass of humanity, that's the first thing. It's a jumbled mass of humanity up there at the top. It's, it's, like, it's yeah, like musical it's chairs, absurd. two through uh, two through ten. Like, at any given night, somebody would just Well, remember, like on Sunday, on Sunday, going into that game, Rutgers hosting Northwestern. Northwestern won, so they earned the two seed. Had they lost, they would have been the nine seed. How is that possible? Same with Michigan, right? From two to eight, real quick. All you had to two do to was eight. all you had yep. to do was lose one. Michigan will take on Rutgers uh, on Thursday, and that'll be on Big Ten Network. It'll be a twelve noon tip off Eastern Time, eleven a.m. Brian's going to be up early. You can listen to him on the Michigan Wolverines Radio Network. Our friend Brian Bush. You can find him on Twitter as well. By the way, traditional spelling here: it's Brian then B O E S C H. In case the people didn't know that already, Brian, my friend, is always partner. Thank you so much for your time. Safe travel. Have a great call and enjoy an extended, extended weekend there, my friend, in Chicago, the Windy City. It's going to open its doors and be very kind to the Maize and Blue. I sure hope so. Appreciate it. Uh, keep up the great work, Anthony.